Welcome to the Do More Podcast, where we share strategies and tips for improving your life in every aspect. Here's your host, John Farling. All right, welcome to today's show. Today's show is a little bit different as I have three guests today, and these three guests mean a ton to me. Um, The title of the episode is Four Brothers. Uh, The four of us go back 20 plus years going to college together. And uh, these three gentlemen, uh, this is probably the only time I'll call them gentlemen, have been a huge part of my life um, and wanted to find a way to bring them on. So we will see what comes of this show today. I'm not really sure where it will go. I'm sure we'll uh, there will be a lot of ball busting, but uh, um, let's get right into it. And uh, Drew's uh, up. So Drew Spencer, give us your uh, one, two minute quick bio here and tell us about tell us about yourself. Uh, one, two minute quick bio. Wow. Okay. Well, Drew Spencer uh, from Bel Air, Ohio. Uh, like you had mentioned, ran into you clowns about 20 plus years ago. Um, you know, I've been an athlete, been involved with sports in my entire life. So even now I'm still coaching as well. So um, just a big, you know, jock, I guess, but has some brains, you know, so yeah, just trying to uh, get better day by day, like I always have been. And you know, I don't know if that's been good or bad, but yeah, trying to keep up with you really is what I'm trying to do. But yeah, man, I'm just a uh, pleasure to be a part of this man and looking to see where it goes. Awesome. Bruce, which his real name is not Bruce. <laughs> uh, I'm still after 20 some years, two decades. I'm not really sure what your name is, but it's Bruce. That's all right. Um, Brian Sander, um, originally from Cincinnati, Ohio, met these guys in 2003. Um Currently a defense coordinator at Millican University, a D3 school in Illinois. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm lucky to be a part of all of this. I'm fortunate enough to have been at or been a part of two-thirds of the weddings that you guys have been in, and I'm excited to just be here and, and talk and joke since we were talking before we started recording. I need it. Um, unfortunately, we're, we're only unable we're, – we're unable to do this more regularly, so – it should be a good time. Absolutely. Yeah. We, uh, I think we're going to, we're talking about hopping on a FaceTime calls. Like, listen, let's just, let's go on the podcast, see what comes out of it and we'll see what happens. Uh, Daryl Chapman jr. The second. Yeah. Let's, let's record our conversation and put it out to the world. That's yeah. a great idea. <laughs> no one's listening. No. Uh, Daryl Chapman. Um, like, uh, John said, I've, Known these guys for about 20 plus years. I had the pleasure of playing college football with Drew and college basketball with John. Um, football with Drew and Bruce. Let me not leave Bruce out. But uh, originally from Akron, Ohio, um, now living in uh, the Dallas, Texas area, uh, working as a senior desktop support technician for Gulfstream Aerospace and just happy to be here. And I just, I definitely want to say, uh, John, that, uh, thank, first of all, thanks for putting this together. And, um, I think I speak for Drew and Bruce when I say, man, we are really proud of what you're doing and it's really cool to watch, especially seeing you grow from, you know, when we first met, you know, you were a little, little shy kid. Now look at you doing podcasts and seminars. And it's just really, it's really fun to watch your growth, man. And I'm happy to be a part of it. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate you trying to get me to cry within the first five minutes. <laughs> so we all went, you all went around and obviously there, there's a common theme here. Um, I mean, there's a bunch of common themes, but one common theme is obviously three of you played football and 
Um, and Daryl was uh, somehow a two-time, two-sport athlete in college. Um, and I think we were I, – I sent an email out earlier today about what we may talk about. Um, I know for myself, identity, especially playing basketball from, I don't know, age of six to 20-something – it was my life. I coached a little bit after that. All of us have, you know, some kind of coaching background. Bruce, you're still coaching. Bruce, talk a little bit about, um, you know, going from a college football player to now a college football coach, and you've been doing that for how long now? Um, since 2008 was my first year. Okay. So talk to us a little bit about that, you know, transition from – from player to coach, um, you know, obviously football is is your life, right? Yeah, the, the transition is still happening. Um, I think when you play, you don't ever really truly realize everything that goes into it um, with all the guys, especially at the small schools or anything that's not on TV. Um, you know, I've had positions where, I was a D-line coach, a special teams coordinator, an equipment coordinator, a strength and conditioning coach, and an academic liaison all in one year. Um, and when you're playing, or at least when I was playing, you never think about all that. And then you don't realize how much time truly goes into it. And you truly do have to have your phone on you. Um, I'm very fortunate with who I work for now. He takes care of a a lot of stuff off the field where we get to just coach um, and not have to deal with too much. But I think just the biggest transition is realizing how much you don't know, um, how much people matter and people change and how much you need to be able to adapt and change and always try to find something new as you go. And I think the other biggest thing for me is, you know, ball is ball, but it's different from North Dakota to Ohio to Oregon to California to Indiana to Illinois in that kids are still kids, but they ain't all the same. And all them different things about you here with, or you here with stereotypes with where you're at in the country, like it's all true. So you always got to find a way to evolve and figure out what can fly somewhere, can't fly somewhere else and how you talk and deal with different kids um, and really just always change. I don't want to say changing, but you're just adjusting, right? yeah. adjusting the message to what fits essentially your demographic. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, and coaching is, I mean, you've been at, what is that? 15 years, something like that. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's one that you're obviously grinding through it, right? Um, it's a grind and it's, it's, it's your life. It takes over, but you're also, I think it's a very thankless job too, right? Um, I mean, you're at a level where you're probably not being scrutinized as much as, you know, if you're if you're D1, you know, head coach, but it's a thankless job. Really, at the end of the day, what you're doing is you're helping form um, young men, right? And I think we all had coaches that we can look back on that that helped us through that and probably in a way propelled you to become a coach. Drew, can you – kind of speak on that a little bit. I mean, was there a coach growing up that, cause you coached, um, you coach college, you're coaching high school right now. Mm -hmm. And obviously there, there was something there that, that kind of forced you through there. I'm guessing you had a coach somewhere that, that impacted you. Absolutely. I mean, coming up in Bel Air, I think, you know, and in the Ohio Valley in general, 
Uh, everybody knew Coach Gene Amarante. Everybody knew him as Coach A. Uh, you guys have probably, I've probably told you many, many stories about Coach A, but I would say Coach A and Coach Magistro, uh, Coach John Magistro, those are two coaches I had coming up that really kind of made me even think about being a coach. But Coach A, definitely there are lessons that he taught us back from like kindergarten, really. And you just kind of, you know, apply those as you grow older. And also, as you also grow older, I think you realize that those things don't just apply to sports. They also apply to life. And I think that's that's where the rubber meets the road right there is when you're able to start applying those life lessons that you learn in sports into your life. I think that's that's when you can start to make some headway. Yeah. Give us give us one thing. I'm putting you on the spot. Give us one thing you've told a kid that just kind of gave you chills that was like, can't believe that came out of me. And look how this kid applied it in their life. Yeah, I would probably say it's just really one thing for sure was maxing yourself out and getting the most out of yourself. And um, I guess I can speak from experience because I don't really think I did. I think as an athlete, I think I just did enough to get by just because I was blessed enough to do that. Um, so being able to help somebody realize their full potential and then max themselves out and get the most out of themselves, both in the classroom and on the field, that if you can do that as a coach, I think you've done a great service to a kid. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Daryl, did you, uh, <laughs> I don't, I want to bring up coach Eastman cause he impacted all of us in, in some way. <laughs> did, did you, uh, did you have a coach, uh, at some point that, uh, that sticks out that, that impacts you? And obviously you put, you know, all of us played multiple sports, but you played two sports in college. So obviously that's a whole different ball game. Yeah, no, it's, you know, I think, I think I could go, you could go back. We've been, we've all been athletes our entire lives, you know, and you can think back to when you first started playing the game. You know, I can think of my, my peewee coaches that I had, you know, that were influential in me, even starting to play football or basketball or running track. And, you know, honestly, one guy that, that really sticks out. I only had him for one year and it was actually at Tiffin was uh Renaco Pitts. He used to always say, uh, it's easy to be average because a coach told him that. And back then, you know, while you're playing and you hear that, he, he he's saying that, you know, because he wants to he wants you to max like Drew was saying, he wants you to maximize your potential. It's easy to be average. It's easy to go out there and just do enough to get by. But it's hard to go out there, you know, bust your ass, give it, give it your all and be the best player that you can be. And so what do you want to be? Do you want to be average or do you want to, or do you want to be the best that you can be? And, and, you know, I took that not just on the football field, but after football, you know, in, in life, it's easy to be average. Do you just want to, you know, work a nine to five, pay your bills, come on, kiss the wife, go to bed and do it all over again? Or do you want to be the best you can be? You know, and that was one thing that, that I took, from a, from a coach that, and, you know, I still say that to myself to this day. So. Yeah. It's funny. I, uh, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure we all go through the same things and the coaches that probably impacted me the most were the ones that I had some bad coaches. So we're going to throw those out. Those don't count, but probably the coaches I didn't like as much, but they pushed us. Right. And those are probably the ones that I didn't like, but those are the ones that I learned the most from. Bruce, are you uh, are you that guy, Captain America over there? Yeah, um, I don't know. I to answer the first question because I know they'll both appreciate. It. Dean Wallenzak was mine. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think. How, for did, me, how did he impact you? Uh, there was a game I dressed when I was at Tiffin, um, 
And he was like, hey, you're going to look. We played Alma. I remember that. We played Alma at home. And he said, you're going to write down every single signal. And I wrote them all down. I had them. And he just kind of threw me on the spot at halftime. And, you know, nobody listened to me. And I, hell, I wouldn't listen to me either. I was, I didn't play. And I'm sitting here trying to tell these kids, like, trying to tell the twins, like, hey, every time he does this, it's this. And I think we were kind of beating the hell out of him, too. Um, but that was the one thing. It was like, oh, okay. And then getting out of ball and not knowing what the hell you're going to do with yourself. You know, I had a business degree. And I'm like, I don't want to sit in a cubicle all day. And that's just kind of what got me into it. Um, but I think as far as what I always try to tell people is, I'm not going to tell you, I'm going to show you. Just give effort, you know, don't, anybody can be average. And I think it's very easy to be cool. It's very easy not to care. And that's very hip right now. But if you just, just give effort and you just keep taking a step forward every day, you know, like what we were talking about before we started with us, like there's literally nowhere to go, but up right now is what I told the guys. Like, so just take a step. Like, and you just keep doing it day by day, and then you just kind of see where you're at, and then you reevaluate, and then you just take another step, and you just keep going, and just keep giving effort. Somewhere in there, it's never, it's not going to lie to you, it's not going to betray you. It just might take longer than others. Yeah. Did you? And I don't remember. Did you? What did you do right after college? Did you coach right? You were a GA, right? Yeah. I, Is I that got, your plan to coach? No, I, I guess kind of like when I, because I, when I graduated. I didn't know what to do. I couldn't get a job. And uh, I had some ties to the Bengals with equipment and stuff. And I just knew I wanted to be around ball. And I was doing OTAs and socks and jocks and stuff. And finally just kind of was applying to different things on, on the scoop. And somebody interviewed me uh, sight unseen on a phone interview. Um, I remember sitting on the steps, pacing the house up and down and, they interviewed me, and then I actually – they told me after the fact, I actually got the job because the D.C.'s wife listened, and I was the one that sounded the best, that she liked the most. So that's how that's how I got the job doing DBs out in Mayville, North Dakota, and then uh, went out there sight unseen, started coaching. Yeah. No, that's awesome. I mean, that's – well, and that, that brings up a point that I wanted to get to um, – I mean, all of you guys, all of us have at some point left, kind of left the nest, right? And probably after leaving, well, obviously we went to college, but after that, right? We all probably, I think we all at some point moved back home and then left our hometowns. Um, the one that really sticks out in my mind is Daryl. And uh, I mean, you, you like ton of credit. What was this? Five, six years, probably longer than that. Seven. How long have you been in Dallas? It's only been four years now. Four years? All right. It feels like 15. It, just, it feels like 40, but yeah. it's only been four. Yeah. I mean, you guys, you know, two kids, you literally packed up the car and was like, we're moving to Texas because your wife's family's down there. Um, I mean, talk about whatever you want to talk about there. But obviously, I've seen growth. I've seen, you know, good things come out of that. Um, obviously, you still love your family. We all love our family and our friends from back home. But I think leaving the nest too, there's some, t you have to have some type of growth in that process too. Yeah, no, you do. And, you know, it was, we were, we were comfortable in Akron, you know, we both had, you know, pretty good jobs. 
actually, uh, my wife had stopped working after we had our second child and she was more staying at home. But, um, you know, she had family here and we were kind of looking for a change. And, you know, I, I'm not going to lie. At first, I didn't. I really didn't want to do it, you know, because I'm, I'm really big on my family. I got a really big family back home and, you know, it was, it was tough. But, you know, you, you just got to we took a step out on faith. You know, we came down here with we didn't have jobs lined up. You know, we just had our savings and our credit and we just put it in God's hands and came on down and and just decided to try to make it work, you know. And, you know, it was when we first got here, it was hard. It took us about nine months to get ourselves together. But the it, you could tell how much happier my wife was, you know, being able to see her mother. She, she's got a smaller family, being able to see her, her sisters. And, you know, we still had our family, you know, me, her, our kids. And it gave us an opportunity to to get closer um, as a family. And we're still doing that to this day. Um, you know, as a as a man of the, of the house, you know, you, you obviously want to provide and make sure that you you give your wife and the kids everything that they need to survive, you know. So, you know, that's 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 just kind of where I am now. You know, um, I'm happy down here. I'm happy with the, the opportunities that that our children have. Uh, my son is in high school now, which is crazy. Um, my daughter started kindergarten. You know, they then honestly, that, that's what I was worried about the most was, you know, how will how will they adjust? You know, because they're they I mean, my daughter was young at the time, but my son was about to start middle school. You know, yeah. he's basically had to pick up his entire life and, and start it all over, meet, you know, make a whole new friend group and, and all that. And he's just thriving down here. So that's made the transition a lot easier for me um, to see that he's comfortable here. Um, the wife is obviously comfortable here. So it's, yeah. it's, it's good. It's good. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Well, I mean, I've seen, I've seen huge, huge growth there. And yeah, I mean, obviously your kids and, your son are super smart kids and I'm sure they didn't have a problem with, with that transition. Um, Drew, you've, you've kind of done, um, obviously you've with coaching, you have coached different places and have, have had the move cause of that. Um, kind of talk about that transgression and any, um, you know, any big points there that, that you can hit on. Uh, honestly, I, I mean, when I took the job, um, at Carnegie Mellon, in Pittsburgh, that was a definite transition because we had just been married for a year. And, you know, my wife's like, yo, I know you want to do this. Um, this is an opportunity to actually do it and get paid. Um, so I took it. She's like, no, we'll be, we'll be straight. We'll figure it out. So uh, taking that leap of faith and literally going to Pittsburgh and living in Pittsburgh while she was here in Dublin. I mean, it was, it was different. Um, it was a three hour drive. Yeah. Yeah. But it ended up making everything better, quite honestly. I mean, I think my coaching career took off from there. Uh, I think our marriage got way better somehow, some way. And maybe the whole absence makes the heart grow fonder or whatever. But no, everything had been better from that point on. Um, so taking that that step and actually doing that, uh, because, you know, it on paper it doesn't seem like it's a really good idea, but uh, it ended up working out pretty well. Yeah. Well, and you've turned down some jobs, too, that weren't around where you live, right? Yeah. Yeah. I had to turn down the high room job because it just, you know, 
wanting to be an offense coordinator was would be awesome, but I didn't want to be two hours away from my wife, who was just getting to have our second at the time. And, you know, I had already missed out on so much with our son who was born in August of 17. So, you know, you, you know, as you guys know, you have an August baby and you're a college football coach. Good luck. You know what I mean? You have no chance of seeing, you know, so I missed out on so much of that. So I wasn't willing to, I didn't want to do that again. I, I didn't want to miss out on all that. So uh, made the transition from football to a real job. Do you, um, is there any regret there? No, not at all. Not at all. I, I think everything has kind of worked out for the better, quite honestly. Yeah. 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 Which, I mean, that's tough because I, I mean, I was in the same spot. We are, uh, when we had our daughter, our first kid, mm-hmm. um, it was, I think, two weeks. I think she was born like um, uh, somewhere around two or three weeks after the basketball season ended when I was coaching. Okay. And that was it. Like, I haven't coached since. Um, there's things that I miss, but it's tough trading time with your kids for others kids. But at the same time, like, you know, all of, all of us that have coached and, you know, help coach, whatever you're, you're still impacting the world, right? Um, right. You're still impacting your kids. Bruce, obviously you're, you're impacting, um, you know, what, 50, 60, 70 kids. Um, talk about a little bit about that, about your impact that you think you're having on the kids. Um, that's, that's one of the things that I, I struggle with of feeling like I truly make an impact. I didn't really realize that I did or that I had any, I guess, bearing on them until I left Oregon because of one, when I, when I told the kids and I didn't think anything of it and I was being, I guess I was probably being selfish with some of it too, but like their reaction and how much, feedback I got from them, how many of them I still stay in touch with now. Um, you know, they'll, they'll send me random stuff like, Hey, this was you when we were together. And I think for me now too, like, because we are struggling um, for, in our second year being here together, I think sometimes it's hard to realize if you really are, there are some things with some kids that you can see the change and how they approach and talk to me about things or what they'll come to me with. Um, but I always, I do, I, I struggle with that if I am, I guess, making a difference because I just don't view it that way. Um, so I'm kind of a bad answer, but I guess I always just go back to what other people tell me or other coaches um, will tell me. And they're like, no, hey, that's, that's a big deal. Um, with it. I am, I am overly, I guess, humble to where I don't think I'm that big of a deal. So I do struggle to be able to say, oh yeah, you know, I'm making an impact or, Hey, look at what I did or this, that, or the other. Yeah. Sorry about that. Like just to piggyback on that, like if you, if you really think about it, the amount of time that we spend with those kids from, from a college, as a college coach, the amount of time you spend with your, with your group is, I mean, you're with them all the time. Right. So, <laughs> Little do you know, like you're you're making because like I I still hear from players that I coach, you know, five, six, seven years ago, um, you know, going to weddings, seeing guys get married and seeing them do the the life stuff is pretty cool. But you don't really realize it in the moment what you're doing for those kids. But the amount of time that's put into those guys, they're around us more than they're around their families. So, um, you know, everything that we do with those guys 
if we do it with the right mindset, which it sounds like you, if I know you, which I do, I know you're doing it the right way. And you are, you are really, you know, affecting those kids for the better. So you, you are doing, you are doing service to those kids and putting good into the world for sure. And I, and I think the hard part too is for, for young, at least our guys is like them having someone that actually does truly care um, consistently. And when you tell them, crazy stuff like hey man it's football season i care about you guys first and winning second one of them asked like well what about your wife like (laughs) you know whatever and they're they kind of look at you crazy and they laugh and then i think they're kind of starting to realize it now but yeah yeah when you go about it that way because my my deal just like you was i was addressing the man first because i always felt a better man made for a better football player so you know, all the man stuff or all the stuff off the field always was more important than the stuff on the field. So it was, you know, going to class, sitting up front, you know, doing like not missing class. Like those <laughs> things were big to me. So but when but when guys see that, hey, this coach actually cares that I go to class, he, not only does he care that I go to class, he wants me sitting up front. Like, you know, what I mean, like this guy's truly taking an interest in me as a person, not just what I can do for this football team. So. Yeah, because when we played, I don't really know if that was the focus. Back then, it was kind of do what we say, and that's it. You know, and that's kind of really yeah. what it was. You know what I mean? So it was just different. The climate between coach and player was different. But now, I believe it's more fruitful relationship because you are actually putting the player – or, excuse me, the, the kid first and the player second. Yeah, and that just goes back to, you know, why you do it, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like you said, just like you said before – we started um, started recording, you know, you guys, you're not having the greatest of seasons right now, but you're still showing up every day for these kids. You're still in the weight room with these kids every day. You're still trying to help them get better. And that stuff goes a long way. You know, the, those are the types of things that, that these kids will remember. Mm-hmm. So you, you just always remember why you do it. It's for, it's for the love of the game and it's for the love of those kids. You know, mm-hmm. I, I admire, I've told you guys this before. I admire you guys for, you know, sticking it out and staying around the game, you know, after we got out of school and, and staying in the coach. And I wish that that that's something that I regret is, is I, I wish I'd have gotten to it and, and stuck out with it a little more. But you just you just keep going back to the to the why, why you do it. And that'll that'll tell you right there how you're impacting those kids. And you're yeah. in Texas, man. You can go find a coaching job somewhere. There's, yeah, it's, man. It's, uh, I, <laughs> football is king down here. Football is king down here. I think, uh, yeah, Daryl, you made a good point of what's your why, and, th- and that can be related to anything, right? Um, I think Bruce is kind of, at least from us, I think, Bruce is it's easy to look at, like, because we, we've been – in the player's shoes that he's coaching. Right. So we know how impactful some of those coaches can be. Um, so we see that, yeah, you, you're absolutely having an impact on those, on those guys. Um, I know for myself, I probably had more of my, the college coaches probably had more of an impact on me than younger years, just cause you're become, you're going from a boy to a man. Right. Mm-hmm. And like Drew said, you're around those kids at all times. And yeah, it's probably changed too. where like, what'd you say, Drew? They're, um, the relationships are more fruitful now than, than yes. what they were when we were in school. Yes. And, yeah. We didn't, they didn't care about relation, building a relationship with you. It was once they got you to school, you were there and you were theirs. Right. And they didn't really, they weren't, they weren't, they, there really wasn't an interest in building a relationship. You know what I'm saying? 
Yep. Like now that's the focus and coaches now are more intentional about that. And I think that's the difference. And you yep. think about it when we were in school, most of the coaches that we had probably had just graduated the year before. So True. it was True. like the relationship went from teammate to coach overnight. And it's like, yeah, how, how can they really have an impact on you as a coach or as a man when we were just at DPs two weeks ago together? Yep. You know, so. Yep. No. <laughs> so true. I think that's a good uh so let's talk about your why. Obviously, let's take family out of it, family and, and wives. That's that's our biggest whys, right? What else who else has a huge why on what they do, what they do? Why? I, mean, I, I I just I just love ball and I think just being around <laughs> people, bless you. Thank you. That that's my why. Like somebody asked me that actually this year, one of the kids, because we asked them, and I had to think about it. And I'm like, you know, do you give them just the cliche or whatever? If I was just like, I love you guys, and they kind of look. I'm like, you you do as much as sixteen hour bus trips and overnights and the highs and the lows. Like just being around young people and watching them succeed and actually believing that they can do something um and again it's after the fact but you know a kid I coached in Oregon he was a career 2-2 GPA always had somebody helping him kind of like a handler and found out last quarter he had a 3-2 so I reached out to the tutor I found for him who was supposed to be doing laundry for me and she goes yeah I, I, I didn't help him he did that all on his own and you just send him a birthday text and you get a, you know, this long of a text message of thank you. And it's like, oh, okay, this is it. This is, this is why you do it. And the kid pulled a three O and, you know, Hey coach, I remember when you, when I got dropped off, you, you told my family I was going to graduate. Like I'm going to graduate because of you. And it's like, no, you just needed somebody that believed in you and, made you do the work on your own yeah. right hopefully he sent you that text while you're on your 16 hour bus ride to get through that thing no he actually he actually <laughs> sent me that text uh last week when we were on a bye week so and it was it was perfect timing because um earlier that day i had a kid tell me oh i can't learn all this new stuff you just look at somebody you just look at him crazy like this is ball this hell we're we're pulling up madden and showing you it's the same thing you know and you just look at the kids like well what do you want to be with for your life i want to do physical therapy or whatever it was and i just told him i said then you better go back and take your your grocery job because if you can't learn new stuff you know what i mean like you're never going to make it in life like you might as well just stop right now and go beg groceries the rest of your life and i think for him that was kind of his Oh, okay. And then you just kind of stare at each other. It's like, I, as long as you, as long as your work, I'll help you. And then that flipped the kid now. Like that's, he's actually texting me. Like he's already watching film and asking me questions about stuff. And he hasn't even been playing these two weeks, but I think somewhere without, without thinking about it, unless you ask the question, that would be your why too of, or for me, it's like, yeah, man. Like we believe in you. Like stop taking the easy road of, Oh, I can't do this. Like that's, that's bullshit. Like you can, you just need somebody that pushes you off the, the ledge a little bit and go, you'll be just fine. Yep. That's awesome. Who else has a, a, a big why 
and what they do. That's tough, man. Um, especially taking family out of it to come up with, with a why. Um, and if I had to say something though, I could, I mean, my why could be me, you know, um, just, just thinking back to, and you guys know my story, you know, the, the things that I've been through, um, from, from early on in college and after college and to where I am now, that's, um, you know, I've come a long way and, and I, I realized in my growth that the better I am as a person, the better people that are around me are, you know, my, I affect a lot of things around me. So if I can continue to work on myself, that's going to make my surroundings better. So I would have to say that my why would be me. That's to me, that's, and I don't want to cut you off if you've got more, but to me, that's an awesome answer because you've got to be full before you can give to others, right? Your cup has to be full. You can't have a quarter cup, try to give that to someone else. Like that's just, that's not going to happen. Right. So no, I think that's, we have to be selfish. And I think, I don't think that's talked about enough too, right? Like we're supposed to be so unselfish, but you got to take care of you first. Yeah. And I don't, I don't even, I wouldn't even really call it selfish. You know, I, I just think just like you said, you got, in order for you to give, you got to have something to give. So, you know, if I'm not, if I don't feel like I am the best version of myself, how can I pour into my kid or to my wife or to my job or, or to anything that I'm giving myself to, you know? So, I mean, you you, you want to make sure that you take care of self before you can take care of anything else because that's where it starts. Yep. No, it's awesome. I like that answer. Drew, you got to follow those up. I know. That's tough. I mean, it's funny. We're talking about, you know, having to, you know, have yourself in check before you're able to give to others. But my wife is really just being able to serve and elevate others. You know I mean? I just want to serve and elevate others. That's really what I love to do. Um, I think it, being able to coach gives you the opportunity to do that. But even, you know, in my work, I mean, I'm a financial analyst at Bath and Body Works. So I'm able to do the same there too, as well. I work as a part of a team and uh, you're still able to try to serve and elevate, you know what I mean? Serve and elevate others. So I'm always trying to do that because I believe, you know, you put good out, you get good back. So, you know, if I'm able to help somebody else through something, you know, I guess at some point I'm sure I'll get some good mojo back from doing those things, but it feels good to help. For me, it feels good to help, help others and to see others succeed. So yeah, if I can do anything to facilitate that, I'm, I'm all for it. Yep. For sure. No, that's awesome. I what think, about uh, you, uh, uh, John, what is, what is your why? Family. I think that's the third time you've ever called me John too. I know. <laughs> we all have, we all have nicknames that it actually feel weird saying. I'm not gonna lie. To you. Um, I just want to say you're still Frank Diesel on my phone. Yes, there is. Frank <laughs> and I don't know why you're Frank either, but there's, no one there's literally not a spot in 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 my life where he saved as John anywhere. Like nowhere. <laughs> yes, that's true. That's true. I think it was uh, what was it? We used to go to a different college town and. We'd uh well we were talking about this before we got on. Uh we'd go to Bowling Green, which is in Ohio, and they're division one. What that's mid middle major, right? Mid major. Yeah. It's Mac um, Conference, baby. Yeah. And they uh who'd they beat? Missouri. Is that who Missouri. you said? Yep. Yeah. We drive up there, it was like what, 45 minute drive. We'd go up there and then we'd pretend that we played on the football team. So we'd <laughs> give them Fra- we'd give them uh fake names. My name was Frank. I think Drew had at least 74 fake names. 
still trying that to true. think. That's true. Huh? That's not true. Okay. No, I said no. I said sad but true. Oh, sad, sad but true. Okay. For sure. Um, what, Daryl? You asked me my why. I'm my why is, I mean, similar to all of yours. Um, there's part of me, yeah. There's I don't, and like Daryl said, you, I don't think it's selfish. I think you have to be full. And there's things that I do that, even for you know Bruce and Drew wanting to give back, like that's you're giving back, but it's also completing you too, right? Mm-hmm. Um. So I go through the same things. I like giving back and um, trying to help others. And uh, yeah, that's probably what keeps me going. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Drew and I were talking about this a month or a couple months ago about how, um, and I know Bruce and Drew, you're going through some some tougher seasons right now. Um, but sports are kind of like, um, I don't know if the word microcosm, I may have made that up. I don't know. It's kind of like sports are kind of like, life only boiled down to three or four months, right? Like you're going through losing seasons right now, but losing prepares you and, and teaches you how to learn. Right. And you have to, you're not going to win every game. If you win every game at some point, you're just going to get completely drilled and you're not going to get much out of winning every game. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So who wants to talk about, I don't know, just what you've learned by losing at some point. And we all went to Tiffin We've all been through that. We know how to lose. Um, and realistically, we're probably all really, really resilient because of that too, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you know, you think about the early years of Tiffin, you know, Tiffin football. Uh, we were transitioning to Division Two at that time. So our freshman year, uh, we started we started playing the NCAA schedule and um, went the D2 route. And, you know, we just got – we got worked over a lot. Our freshman, sophomore <laughs> – junior years you know what i mean so um you know it was good that we were able to actually end as winners our senior year had the winning record um kind of turned things around uh so that was kind of a good way to go out but i I think it's funny because that time as you know 18 19 20 21 it's a lot different going through it then as opposed to going through it now because obviously we're more mature now at least some of us and uh, i think you're able to um, basically work through it in a lot more in a way that's, I guess, more beneficial because back then, I mean, you know, you just kept going to work. You kept doing things to distract yourself from the losing, whether it was making, you know, I had fun. Like, so I wanted to make sure the guys were having fun because losing sucks. And I hadn't, I'd never been, I had been on losing teams. So I got to tip them. So I really didn't know anything about losing. You know what I mean? I just knew, okay, well, this sucks. How can we make this fun? So yeah, I just tried to, be comic relief for the most part because it just losing stinks, man. You know what I mean? What'd you, what'd you, let's, let's hear at least one story about that comic relief. I'm sure you got something. One story. Um, Driving five miles an hour to practice and everyone's behind you. Oh yeah. <laughs> that I happened, right? That. that was good. That was good. Had the parade. Cause we had that long <laughs> driveway, <laughs> long driveway down uh, to the locker room. So we would, I mean, and everybody, it is funny. It was everybody doing this. So as we're, I mean, it was, it was two miles an hour. So everybody sees you. Right. So we would, we would drive down the deal. I mean, and, and it's like, it turns into a parade. People are out waving out the windows or soccer practicing over here. We're all waving, you know, beeping horns at them. They're looking at us like, what are they doing? You know what I mean? They're probably like, that's why they get their ass kicked. Every that's it. That's the reason. It that's was all fun and games until the, until the offensive coordinator got caught in the parade. Oh my! Yes, yeah. 
He was not happy about that. No, he was pissed off about it. But it it, it was. was, But it wasn't just me. It was we were all doing it, and it was all hilarious until yeah, Coach Cole was waiting in the parade. So, but I'm pretty I'm pretty sure you you started it. You were the grand marshal. You were the grand marshal. I probably was. Yeah, I probably was. I probably. I think. I mean, it it helped you grow. Um, I can think back, you know, coming coming out of high school and just like you, Drew, I came from a school where where losing wasn't we didn't lose like that. You know, we were we were in the playoffs, state playoffs and football and basketball every year, making runs for championships mm-hmm. and and leaving that and then going to college. Um, I can think back to our freshman year. I want to say uh, maybe Clarion. We were coming back from getting worked, like you said, I think it was like 40 to nothing and, and guys are on the bus. It was Halloween time. And to this day, this is the reason why I hate Halloween. We, we just got worked and we're on our way back to Tiffin and guys are on the bus talking about their Halloween costumes, what they're about to put on. And, you know, I'm, I'm sitting back there like we should be talking about how we're going to get better so that we don't get our asses kicked like this again next week. So I think, I think living, living through all of those losses, um, and coming from a background not being used to that, it helped you grow, and it, and it helped you see see things differently. You know, um, how many how many guys are going to catch the night train is what we used to call it. How many guys are going to stick around and um, and and weather the storm and try to turn this thing around and try to right the ship? And how do we figure out how to do that? Mm-hmm. And you know, you take that you take that from football, and like you like like you were saying, John, you you can apply that to life. Yep. You know, you take a loss, you lose a job, you, anything, you, whatever, whatever that loss is, how are you going to get better? How are how, what are you going to learn from that experience to a, not let it happen again and B to come back from it? Yeah. Well, you made a good point that, um, I know for myself and me and Bruce probably had more similar paths and you and drew and Daryl probably had more similar paths. As far as um, Drew and Daryl, you guys were basically prize recruits, right? Getting uh, $5 handshakes from the boosters. And me and Bruce were probably getting, try, probably getting ran off every day. I know I was. Um, so, yeah, when you talk about – and probably everybody. I know basketball. My freshman year, I think we had – it was at least 60 kids, maybe 70 kids. And their goal was to run off as many kids as they possibly could. And they did, I think. By the end of the year, we we're down to like 14 or something. Wait, how many um, kids did you have? It was something crazy, like 60. On a um, college team? Not on the team, but that were – they tried to get – to play basketball. Play. Yeah, it was insane. Uh, that was just freshman year. It, slow, it slowed down a little bit. The, someone went crazy with uh, mailing out flyers, apparently, for uh, my <laughs> freshman year. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think for myself, I think that helped me was – and I still look back at that. Like I was able to weed myself out. I was not that good, but I was able to stick around and I just kept going and kept showing up. And I think just showing up is the the first, uh, first key to success. Mm-hmm. Bruce, what, uh, what do you got? As far, I, I guess I've kind of lost track of what the original question was. Really t- hey, bring us, bring whatever you got. Uh, um, we're talking about um, losing what you've lost from, or what you've learned from, from losing at some point. Um, I mean, it makes you better. The one thing that, that, that I've been using a lot and I learned this out in Oregon was just failure or what does fail stand for? It's first attempt in learning, right? Like 
All right, you didn't get what you wanted. Now you got to learn how to find another way, right? Um, and like, I mean, I literally told them guys today, like, you're going to get better from this because you got to realize like, oh, okay, hey, this doesn't work anymore. You got to find a different way. You know, I made a, I had a big mistake a year ago when I first got here. I was like, I, you know, I, I know what I'm doing. I feel really comfortable about myself and, and how to do it. And, you know, I learned all these things out there and then you get here and you're like, no, that, that shit don't work. It's, and then you got to go, okay, I got to figure this out. I got to find something different. I got to find something new. That's really the exact same thing that you're doing, but you got to find another way to reinvent, I guess, yourself and your message and realize that, them kids don't really care where you came from, right? Or what you did. You got to figure out how to reach them. And you just, it forces you. you what's that? Not to cut you off, not to cut you off, but then you add to it. You figure out, yeah, figure out what it is that you got to do differently. And then you add to it. Yeah. You do more. You do more. Yeah. When you, when you fail or when it doesn't go as expected or what you wanted, you know, you, you can do one of two things. You can quit or you can just go and figure it out. And it's really cliche and it's, you don't have any other options, right? Like, and I think that's what losing or not being very good, especially all the success that I was a part of. And now coming back to this, it forces you to go like, Oh, okay. You gotta, you gotta do a little bit extra because of this. You gotta build back up to that. And it almost forces you not to restart, but to, I guess, reset everything and go, okay, this is where it is. This is where you got to go. All right. You took a step back. All right. You got to keep going again and then going and you just got to keep rolling, rolling with everything. So what did you, what you mentioned, you mentioned having to almost reinvent yourself, but if you, if from a coach's standpoint, sometimes what you run into is coaches have egos, right? And, and some of them don't want to, this is what I do. This is what I've been doing for us. What I'm going to do. So, doesn't matter who's out there. I'm just going to do what I do. Right. But sometimes you got to put your ego aside and do what's conducive to the guys you have in the room. Did you have a tough time doing that or no? Yeah, I, I did. But the, it, the hard part was, is I was at a place for 10 years and I was always around those guys. And I know, I guess lack of a better, like I knew if I told them to jump, they were going to jump and weren't going to ask how high. Like that, but again, it was a relationship thing. Yep. So I had, I definitely had some arrogance. Like, oh yeah, you know, I mean, I'm good with young people. Like, no big deal, right? And that wasn't the case. It was a completely different. Uh, it was a completely different dynamic of everything and everything that they had been through before I got there. Like, you're sorting through all of that to get you to a ground level to build to. So I don't know if it was so much like reinvent, but it was, it was humbling. It was frustrating. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But it forced, it, it forces you to find another way. Right. Like it forces you to figure out something different, which essentially forces you to grow and all the, all those other things. Um, but I don't, like I said, I don't know if it was so much reinventing, but it was, all right, you got to do this now. Like, and I think too, like when you take those leap of faiths, you know, 
Oh yeah, I know what Texas is like, right? Like I, I'm sure you probably had an idea, right? Yeah. Yeah, you you thought <laughs> until you get in there and you're like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. right. And I think that's that's the biggest thing of like when he talks about egos and how this is just what we do. Like, there's just you don't know what you don't know, and you got to be. I don't know what. I guess humble enough or have enough humility to be like, yep, I'm gonna have to eat this crow. I screwed this up. This ain't their fault. I'm gonna have to take my ass ripping. I'm gonna have to take them kids giving it back to me and telling me it's my fault. Going, all right, and then really just owning that and saying, yep, I screwed up. And this is my fault. This is why I did it. This is why I thought. It's what I should have done. This is what we're gonna do going forward. And then really just having faith that they're gonna buy into that mm-hmm. going forward. But that makes you better. You come out better for it. Yeah, that. that's that's exactly what it is, the the better stuff. I mean I have I mean I have a notes section that is endless scrolling in my phone right now of what I'm trying to do differently, what I would do differently if I was ever given an opportunity again. Mm-hmm. Um, how I would do it, how I would want to do it. Um, what I would fight for, what I could give up, what I realize is stupid, what I truly believe in, um, and all those things. I mean, it's it's essentially a diary for lack of way to put it mm-hmm. um, and going there. Yeah. Well, and this is, I mean, you made a lot of point, good points where sports is like life fast forward, right? Like you get, you get instant feedback and you've got to make immediate action, right? In life, in, in sport, again, you've got a season to get it corrected, or you've got 12 games to get it corrected, right? So you've got three months. Um, in life, you may, you know, you may have a problem pop up, and it takes you a decade to figure it out. It's not, life isn't as, um, I guess, it, it doesn't give you instant feedback sometimes like, like sports does. Um, it's not a movie either, right? Like, I mean, you guys all you guys all have kids. I'm assuming they probably all have cell phones, right? No, nope. Only mine. <laughs> you know, it's it is. You get like you get everything that you want right now. Like any one of us can nope. order ice cream right now and never leave the house. Nope. In that instant gratification, like that's what sports gives us. And I think football in particular, like you have to work your tail off for nine to 10 months for 10 games Mm -hmm. and you get immediate feedback and you have to immediately go back and figure it out the next week in order to be successful. And when you lose one game, it can be the end of the world, depending on how and where you sit, you know, you can, you can lose five games in baseball or basketball you can go win 10 more in the next month and still be okay. You can run track and run a PR and only come in third and you still get a medal. So I think, especially with football too, like you're all doing your own thing right now where you're, like you said, with Bath and Body Works or whatever it was, like you're dealing with a team. Like you get that immediate feedback that sets you up with it. Like it is, sports is a microcosm, a metaphor for life. That's why, you know, you go back and you look at anybody else, like somewhere in there, they had a team experience of working with someone or some ones that are usually the most successful of how to 
figure and navigate and work your way into whatever it is you're successful at. And that's why sports are so good. And that's why when you find people that are trying to do things the right way, it's so important. That's, I mean, you talked about your coach, a, your high school coach, like that, that stuff is important, especially now because everybody wants to do it on their own. No matter what, you're never going to do it on your own, no matter how successful you are or whatever, like there's still luck involved. Someone still taught you or showed you something that you didn't know. Um, when you do sports, like, that shit matters, man. Like you need, you need that safety net. You need that person left or right of you, you know, with all that stuff. And I think that's, that's probably the biggest thing why sports are important or really any activity. It don't matter what it is. It's band, it's theater. Um, hell, it's the math club or whatever it is. Like that shit matters, man. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it also Absolutely. creates the bonds. I mean, I mean, we, we literally wouldn't be sitting here right now um, on this four brothers episode of this podcast if it wasn't for for sports because that's how it started mm-hmm. you know yeah we met in college we were there for the education but we were there because we were yeah. playing a sport yeah <laughs> education okay. so how many people are you using how many of us are using their degrees right now i mean i i use mine to prop up my coffee table if that's if that counts <laughs> <laughs> and, like, and there's like one one small hand that eventually went up, right? Like yeah, that's right. Now. That's, that's the other thing. No, why the, the education part is not. That's not. I mean, we were there. We met because of sports, right? Yeah. Right. Education is another show. Yeah, that's where our bond. That's, that's why higher education is important too, because whether you stay close to home, you know, Frank, like what you grew up 30, 45 minutes. Hour what? Hour and a half away. Hour right, like two hours, hour and a half, three hours, all that. Like it's gonna put you in a different fishbowl than what you're used to. Like you're gonna find yeah, all is. these different people. That's like, oh yeah, I do get along with you. Or who would have thought that? You know, one of my best friends is from Akron, Ohio, or Finley, or whatever. Like all that. Yep. Let's uh. Because uh, I did say we try to do it around an hour. We'll see where no it goes. You knew that wasn't going to happen. Okay, well, we'll keep going. <laughs> um, I do want to hit on something at, towards the end, but um, uh, Daryl Chapman II um, brought up, let's talk about college memories. So this, <laughs> let's see where this goes. Let's try to keep it somewhere between PG-13 and rated R. Um, anybody have <laughs> – we're all going to have to share something. So anybody have uh, number one most memorable moment that ha- we had in college? I'll keep in mind this is this is being recorded. Being recorded, but we can edit it out. But what about what about because you mentioned Coach Eastman earlier, and it made me <laughs> made me think about the <clears throat> maybe think about the time when um, we had we remember they always used to make us host the recruits, and oh, you know, yeah. we, actually, we actually wanted a weekend where we didn't have to host a recruit, and you know we wanted to kind of do our own thing, right? So. Coach Eastman was looking for us, right, to try to host one of the recruits. And we, Daryl, me and you were hiding somewhere. And basically, you were under the bed. You, you literally room. got under your bed so that he couldn't see you as he's knocking on our window. Knocking on our window. Coach Eastman knocking on our window. And now, now Frank, you talked to him, right? Uh, yeah. So we were in our dorm room. Yeah. You guys were hiding in our dorm room. <laughs> we we're at ground level. Windows were open. He's yelling in. 
I think this, yeah. And then he comes and knocks on the door. Cause so he's yelling in the window. He then comes, knocks on the door. But before he does, you guys take off running out the back door down the hallway. So I answer the door. I don't know what he said to me. And, you know, obviously trying to hunt you you guys down. Yeah. We ended up, yeah. We ended up, we literally snuck out of the back door of the dorm and sprinted probably a quarter mile down the street, you know, down an alley, (laughs) just trying to not be found because we didn't want our host to recruit that weekend, you know? And uh, I didn't run the entire weekend. Right. Cause yeah, you, then you're basically a chaperone for the whole weekend. Like we want to go and do. Cause you guys landed recruits. We every recruit we had, you guys had. And when we're talking about this, we're talking about site visits from recruits coming in. They would always ask you guys, what was that our junior year? Probably to uh, show them a good time around Tiffin. Yeah. Yeah. We, we actually got everyone except for Wes. Remember Wes from uh, California? I thought he was from Vegas. No, he was from Arizona. He's from Arizona. Arizona. He had a great time. He had a phenomenal time. time. (laughs) Yes. Yes. A little overserved, but he had a phenomenal time. Yeah. That was, that was one of those trips up to Bowling Green, if you remember. Yep. So, so you still, there's still more. We took him somewhere else. We, yeah, we took yeah. him somewhere else. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> he probably ended up going to BG. Yeah. That's oh, probably, yeah. that's probably why we didn't get him. He probably went to BG instead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll just, well, Drew's still, Drew still got finished. That's not in the story. Oh, okay. well, yeah. So, so basically, ended up, what happens is, you know, we end up dodging. And if you remember, we end up dodging a recruit that weekend. We didn't get him because Coach Eastman couldn't find us. Right. And I believe you had a run in with, uh, or no, we actually went to the cafeteria. So the next morning, that was, I think that was Saturday or something. We were able to avoid him, have our own weekend, just kind of chill out. And Sunday, we're in the uh, cafeteria eating. And uh, Coach Eastman comes up to our table. We're sitting there eating. And he comes over and he says, Are you John Farling? And you're like, Yeah, you're a fucking prick. You know that? <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea who the dude even was. I mean, other than answering the door. Right, it was a football coach, but but somehow like you ended up being the bad guy. In yeah, in his, I got eyes. in his eyes, which I don't know why or how, but yeah, you ended up taking the fall for being a prick, I guess, because you didn't maybe because you didn't rat us out. I really don't know. Well, because we didn't want to recruit that weekend. Yeah, no. well, yeah, I mean, yeah, you guys were uh, you guys were starters. You guys were starting. Um, so yeah, he wasn't gonna mess with you guys. So he so he picked on you, I guess. Yeah, I'm easy target. I guess so. I guess so. But yeah, that was that was a good. As soon as you said Coach Eastman, that was the first thing that popped in my head was that story. That's the first thing I always think about whenever I hear Granville Eastman's name. <laughs> Love Coach Eastman though. Great I guy. Th- I, I feel like we kind of reconciled it because I I like the dude. I feel like we reconciled and like, I, I mean, we, it was a small town, so we'd see the coaches out at bars and huh. they'd be next to us <laughs> drinking at uh, at the Duck. At the Duck, um, it was the Clover Club or Clover Club, yeah. I didn't I, go to Clover Club. You did because you liked all the Heidelberg kids. Well, so I'll, I'll say this. I'll just tell you a bunch of this. I'll give you the, the storylines, and then I'll let you guys fill in the blanks accordingly. Which guys, us or the audience? All, all of you. Okay, everybody. Um, I, remember walking in, I remember walking into the Clover Club because I didn't know that was the coach's bar, but I was with you guys. That made practice awkward the next day. I didn't – Oh, yeah, because you saw Nate go there, the head coach. Yeah, no doubt. Um, he drove home. Um, I remember the first time I actually hung out with all three of you together. We were in the, Bu- the uh, Buick Bomber, the two-seater. Um, 
and we were <laughs> we were gonna we were gonna go see some people across the street, and I just went off the rails with who these people were, and they were a lot closer with us than I knew. Um, I, <laughs> yeah. This really, doesn't make sense to anybody but us right now. Yeah. That's uh, good. I like it. I, I remember when we dropped uh, Daryl off in Akron when I got my first tattoo, and Daryl's uh, grandma goes, shit, I ain't fresh off the boat. Okay. <laughs> and then when we came back, we had to make a decision. Do we go straight or we do go right? And we went right and we went to Ashland, I think. <laughs> right. Um <laughs> Yeah, I remember. I remember coming up to uh, King of the Court for Daryl one weekend. That was a good I mean, time. Yeah, I met. Uh, I met Uncle Sam. How about how about uh, Senior Night down in uh, Cincinnati when we pulled up on you? Yeah, that's. <laughs> yeah, Bruce. <laughs> yeah, uh, I will. I will say this: I'll never forget getting out of the car and somebody looking at. The bottle, the Gatorade bottle, going. All right. I'll never forget Frank's bachelor party. Mm. I we, showed, we showed up to the hotel and somebody didn't go golfing with us, but somebody had a box of mini bottles <laughs> <laughs> um, that were half gone already. Mm. I remember. I, I remember going to Nate Washington's uh, Super Bowl party in Toledo. Oh, oh, we took the Cadillac up there. Too. Yep, yep. yep. So yep. we, yeah, we went to Tiffin University. We had uh, while we were there, uh, Nate Washington played. He was what? He was a junior, a year behind us, basically. Year behind us, yeah. Uh, uh, but what? A year older than you, Bruce, and oh, he yeah. ended up going to the NFL and won the Super Bowl's rookie year, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think it was his rookie year. And yeah. we ended up going to his hometown and he had a Super Bowl party there. And that was an interesting. That had to be. That had to be. Yeah. yeah, Drew, you didn't make it, did you? I didn't make it that one. No. Yeah, I think it was the other three of us going. Yeah. Yeah, it was invited. interesting. I had security called on me. You did. I believe he had He had security, which is even funnier. I, I remember going to Columbus on Final Four weekend and Frank saying, First name T, last name Rubble. <laughs> that, that wasn't me. That was uh, uh, high school friend's buddy. <laughs> but yeah, that was funny. Because that that was that was the night with the white dude with the blonde uh, with the with the yeah. blonde locks in the jumpsuit yep. uh, doing the door at a house party. Yep. And then wow. somebody somebody turned off the uh, electrical box. Wow. Yep. That midnight, yeah. right? Where where were we? Uh, Bruce just we, Bruce just gave out every single memory from college. Yeah, I mean that's <laughs> I don't have anything. And, and for me, because when I left and when I transferred, I lived at home, so I was always going back and forth. And then I started working in between and all that. So, like, I just never really had a a group when I transferred back. I was just kind of I always bounced around. Like you, I stay in touch more with you guys because my first year was Frank's last year. Mm-hmm. And then I think my second year, you two, Drew and, and Chatty, both stuck around a semester. Yeah. You both had a semester yep. with it. Cause now my junior year, that's when it was hard. Cause then I essentially lost my group. 
So then I floated and then I just, I've been floating ever since. But <laughs> I don't, sense. I have, like, I don't talk to, I mean, I'm, I'm good with it. Like I got a couple of texts that go out here and there, but that's because I coached with them. I don't really talk to a whole lot of people from my second school. I talk to people like you. I don't talk with maybe one for sure, two kind of my high school buddies. Like you, you are my, my college group, I guess, if for lack of a better term. Um, I feel like that's, we should, why, that's, that's why uh, I remember all those stories. I feel like we should at least tell the story of how, why your name is Bruce instead of Brian. Oh, no, I, that's easy. Do you, so do you want the story of why it's Bruce and why it's Bacon? No, no, no. I think Bruce is way better than Bacon. No. Well, but but they're tied together because, remember, nobody knew who, who the hell I was. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, see, so <laughs> the story goes, I tell the kids everywhere I coach, you can call me Coach Bacon. We play Xbox together. My gamer tag is Bacon, the whole deal. Everything on social media is Bacon, whatever. So first team meeting I walked into, um, had a Roger Bacon High School shirt on, and Aaron Syak, RIP, mm-hmm. right? he goes, oh, Roger Bacon, huh? Roger Bacon, Roger Bacon. And we walked in that that defensive meeting room, Drew and Chatty, you guys know. Well, I'm just walking across the room, and I didn't go through camp that year because I was ineligible out of high school. So everybody just thought my name was Roger Bacon. So it got shortened to Bacon. And then I played DB, and Coach Moranis gave me a face mask that looked like Bruce Smith. I had I had the two, three, but this is how good of an athlete I was, right? They didn't give me a DB face mask. They gave me a D-line face mask. I had that some bitch down there in the middle, right? <laughs> and by like the second or third day, Wheezy, we were doing one-on-ones. And uh, KJ, he goes, hey, Coach Moranis, man, like, hey, what are you doing? Like, we got to give my man a, a face mask. Got a Bruce Smith-looking motherfucker right here. Like, <laughs> we can't be doing that. So that just turned into Bruce Smith. Well, so I was either Bruce Smith or I was Roger Bacon. I was Bacon. And then like two or three months into the semester, girl I went to high school with, Holly Morgan played volleyball up there. And she was sitting in the training room and she had a Roger Bacon homecoming shirt on or something. And, uh, hey, you, why, why, you got his, why you got his name on his shirt? <laughs> the hell you talking about like we didn't know like she's no and i walked by the training room and joey davis was like him she goes b and he goes yeah that's roger bacon and somebody was like that's bruce smith (laughs) (laughs) so for like three or four months of college like nobody knew who the hell i was and then when i transferred there was Three, two or three people that were from Tiffin that had already transferred in to Mount St. Joe. So then they knew me as uh, they knew me as Bacon. So then Bacon stuck with everybody. And then that's 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 how it happened. So for four months, nobody knew who the hell I was. That's awesome. That's so that's great. a true story too. All yeah, that is so true. That is so true. I, I'll never forget. We hey, a Bruce Smith looking motherfucker, right? You ain't gonna say nothing. Oh, I'll never forget doing one on ones and you lining up across from me with that face mask and me looking like <laughs> it's over. This dude really got a <laughs> lineman helmet on right now. Yeah, I, I, I probably got torched. <laughs> 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 Your helmet was too heavy. 
there's no look, there was no probably about it. Like I got torched. Like, I'm I'm five eight playing corner. Great memories, man. Great memories. Daryl the second, you you're up. No, I no, skip me. <laughs> skip you. <laughs> Bruce laid most of them out. Well, at least laid most of them out uh senior year beyond. Yeah. I wish I would have went to Orlando. Orlando. Daytona? Is that, is that where you guys are? Oh, went? Daytona. Daytona. It would have the bus trip would have prepared me for life. Oh man, that bus I'm, trip. You're, so glad still, you're still taking those, the 16 so hour glad. bus rides. So well, glad. ours was 48 hours. No, 24. It was 24. Yeah, 24. Like round trip or there and back? There. 24 there, 24 back. Damn. I got accused of smoking weed in the bathroom on the way home. Like, That's pretty sure. Yeah. It was awesome. I almost had my cell phone stolen. Remember that guy? Didn't he want to like listen to your Walkman or something? No, he wanted to borrow my phone. Mm. <laughs> like, he was I fresh. I didn't hear him. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I can't hear. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. All right, Daryl, give us a memory, something. I don't know, man. I think Bruce Bruce gave us all of them. No, there's three no, years before that. Yeah, I mean, you, you can pick old Bruce too, but something. Hmm. I remember. I remember Bruce showing <laughs> up more. Uh, Bruce Bruce is like our uh, memory Rolodex. I do. Yes. I, I get. I remember uh, Drew showing up late to Frank's graduation in a suit and tie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I had to represent, man. You know, my guy. That's that's my guy. He's about to walk across the stage. I got there before that. But Not like, about to. About, I already walked. And then you showed up. But you dressed no, up. So made no, up. No, no, no. I definitely got to see you walk. Come on now. <laughs> they gave you that always, he always made an entrance, no matter no matter where what was going on. There was there was always a, either a suit and tie or a shag or like some something was going to be going. Oh on. man! He <laughs> walked in class with that shag and he he handed listen, you that paper back and said you need to spend more time on your homework and less time on your hair. Listen, <laughs> listen though, listen though. My hair that day though, like if we were really going to talk about it, we can talk about it, right? Like. Listen, listen, like I remember, like I like I definitely remember the night before, probably like one of the most vivid memories of mine, because I because that's when I had that big afro. Right. And uh, what I did was is I, you know, I, I put some, you know, put some grease in there and slicked it all back, put the do-rag on her, slept with it on. And I had the puff back here, but it, with the do-rag on it, curled up in the back. So it looked like I had like an Italian Pat Riley, like slick back deal. So when I got up, took the do-rag off, bam, it was all slick and laid back. I was feeling good that day. I put the aviators on. I remember that and went to class. Listen, like that, like five minute walk to class, you couldn't tell me shit. Like I felt like I, really, I felt like I was the man, right? You couldn't tell me shit. That 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 for those for those five minutes, you couldn't tell me anything. So when I got to class that day, and he hands him papers back, and everybody else is talking about, oh, I got an A, I got an A. And I look at my my deal, I got a B. I'm like, coach, what? I got a B. What's up with this? And that's when he's that's when he hit me with that line, man. Maybe you should spend more time on your homework and less time on your hair. (laughs) Wow. What's funny is especially especially that class, he wouldn't grade in anything. No, he probably just like hey, hey, hey." he saw you walk in, he's like, Nope. He probably did. He he probably saw me walk in, it was like B, like right now, B. You know what (laughs) I mean? But if if you think about it though, thinking about it right now, it's like he that was his way of giving me credit for my hair. 
Like my hair, that's like his, like, you know what I mean? Like your hair is pretty sweet. Well, I'm not going to tell you that. I'm just going to bust your balls about it, but I really like it. I don't think that was the case. <laughs> I also don't think if we, if we had like a cam, like a just security camera watching you walk across the campus, everyone's probably looking at you like, just shaking their head, like what, no, what happened to Drew? What would have been your theme music though, as you were? Oh making? man, uh, I would have been uh, West Side Connection, uh, "Gangsta Make the World Go Round." <laughs> <laughs> because, like, judging by how fast you you answered that question, you've thought about that. Before. Yes, that was quick. I'm, I'm 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 willing to go as far as saying that you were probably singing that to yourself in your head as you walked across campus. I probably was. I'm telling you, you guys couldn't for that for that three minute four minute walk. You couldn't tell me anything, man. I I thought I was the damn man. Period. Who was in the class with me with Bonnie Teal? I had a few classes with Bonnie Teal. I think we. I think me and Daryl were both in the class. If you're talking about what I think you're talking about, if you close your eyes. Yep. Yeah, we yeah. were both in there. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I, Daryl, because I know you were in that class with me. I still, we still want our credit for that damn indoor that they built. That is ours. Yeah, that you, guys is- got, you guys got finessed. They went ahead and took your deal and actually made it right. They took everything you guys basically designed and then they the whole it. thing. And you guys, I've never, I haven't seen it. I've only seen the pictures, but that is the whole thing to a T. Frank, when this podcast goes out, uh, we're gonna have to uh, reach out to Tiffin and see if we can get some pub for all, for all of this promotion they're getting. <laughs> some residuals. We can we can edit uh, the name out. <laughs> we were talking about hair. You, uh, Drew and Frank, you guys remember the bet? Yeah. Oh yeah. These two the same same two. timeline there. When Drew what, was there. Like, what was it like a ten dollar bet? They it was all said, yeah over ten bucks. That was it. Ten dollar yeah. bet to see who who could go the longest without a haircut. It's when I had hair. Yeah. Man, that was I bad. Was, I was I wearing can't. a headband at practice. I was like, "This is it. I'm done. I'm not doing that." Wait, what was what was the what was the breaking point for you? I feel Probably like that when was you it. in practice, uh, running around looking like Jackie Moon with that headband. Oh man, it was it was bad. Yeah, that was bad. That, I just remember. Bad. I remember coming in. Um, I don't know where we were coming from, but me and Drew walked into the dorm, and there was a ten dollar bill sitting on his pillow, yep. and the first thing out of his mouth was. Frank cut his hair. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 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 Yeah, that's all over 10 bucks. But, I mean, you held out. I mean, you held out for a long time. Because, I mean, I grew mine out, you know, and I didn't care because I had done it before. So, it wasn't a big deal to me. So, I I didn't, I knew I wasn't going to lose. Yeah, we didn't. I mean, that wasn't that long of a bet either. I feel like it wasn't more than probably like three months. Well, three months is, you think about it, three months is kind of a long time to grow your deal out. You know yeah, what I mean? Especially that time. Yes. All right, we uh we threw memories or no? We got anything else? Hmm. Daryl, you had one uh through our, our group chat, group text the other day. What we had a that? basketball trip to Arizona. Oh, that was a good time, man. We went out there to the uh, Grand Canyon Classic. <laughs> that was that was a good time. What uh what what memory did you uh did you have out there? <laughs> uh man. Uh She's a starter. Um, I don't know, man. We we had a good time out there. We, did. we had a good time. One of our teammates, uh, he shall re- remain nameless. Yeah, we don't have name names. <clears throat> yeah, but he uh, he liked to partake in the uh, extracurriculars and uh, somehow got his hands on some some treats. I, I'll I'll call them and 
No one's listening. We're we're an hour and fifteen <laughs> yeah. minutes in. Hey, no well, one's listening. What was it like two, three in the morning? We're we oh, it was me, little, me yeah. you and me, you and uh it was early, Joe. it may have been like four or five. Yeah, it was it was late, and we just heard some talking. We look out the window and he's sitting in the hot tub talking to himself. <laughs> yeah, that was and we had a game that next day too. Yeah, we had a, yeah, yeah. That was yeah, like we like we were saying in the group chat, we could definitely do a a whole thirty for thirty on on some of the memories, some of the trips that we we had while we were in school. For sure, but it's, it's, that, fun, to, it's fun to look back on them and laugh. Yeah, that's for sure. That same guy we were watching uh, film <clears throat> in the gym with the you know they roll the cart out with the TV on top. We were watching <laughs> film on a, a twenty inch TV, and I remember. Um, where the guy that we were just talking about was we were watching him basically huffing and puffing trying to get up and down the floor coach pauses pauses films like i'm not gonna say his name we'll, we'll say his name's tommy tommy do you smoke <laughs> tommy responds smoke what <laughs> Which is like the whole team's trying not to laugh because we're all like well and there's well, your answer right there coach yeah, yeah. <laughs> Man. Uh, good times, man. Yeah, our coach was coach made. Oh, sorry, I was talking. What'd you say, Bruce? I said I never met too many basketball players that burn heaters at halftime. Yeah, <laughs> right. Our uh our, our basketball coach may listen to this. He uh he was what 25, I think, as a head coach when we wow. were 20, 21, wow. which you know, I'm sure you know he did the best he could. That can't be easy. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when he was our freshman year. I think he was the GA maybe had just graduated the year before. I mean, that's tough. So he was boys with some of the players still. And yep. I think he did the best he could, but we got, down to, we, got we got down to nine players that year. Remember that? Yeah. Nine players. Warm-ups used to be ninth. hell. I was, was the like, ninth. Oh, I think I'm so tired after, after layup lines. Like we got to play a game after this. <laughs> Cut down late wise. We'd we'd only go out for seven minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Remember our handshakes? Oh man. <laughs> we were doing that before uh before the cool kids were. Yeah. Yeah. We started that. We started yep. for sure. Yep. The the two minute the 30 second handshakes. I I would I would have hated you as players. Yeah. Yeah. Well that's what Frank was he was in his uh rebellious stage at that point. So he, yep. he didn't really give a damn. And uh, I, I didn't care because, I mean. You were starting. You that was my brother. I was starting, but that's my brother. He wanted to do it. We're doing it. I don't care. Oh, man, you're dragging me in like that? Man, I thought it I thought it was you. I thought I was doing it for you. No, we were doing it for each other. Oh. <laughs> I would write. I remember writing because uh, I don't remember why. Well, probably I would have tape around my left wrist, and I'd do uh, like acronyms. I forget what they were like because I was rebellion, rebelling. And I remember our uh, – I don't think he was GA at the time, but one of the assistants was like, he guessed what it said. And I'm like, Oh, how do you know that? <laughs> <laughs> Cause it was not talking. It was not speaking well of yeah. the program basically. Wow. Yeah. You, you really were a rebel back then. Yeah. But no one knew. I was like, I, I want, I was seeking attention for sure. Okay. 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 So, yeah. <laughs> So let's uh let's get let's hit one more thing and be quick and then if anything else comes up we'll see what happens. What um 
I know all you guys have some type of routines. Let's go through um, morning routines and how that's impacted your life. Uh, who wants to go first? I, I can go first. Um, well, <clears throat> I guess I, I had a routine. It's It's been uh, kind of altered because I, um, I, I used to get up in the morning, work out, take a shower, then get ready for my day, you know, and go to work. But living in Texas, um, I work, I, I worked out in my garage and in Texas at five o'clock in the morning, it's still a hundred degrees outside. So my, it's been altered a little bit, but now that it's starting to cool off, I'm hoping to get back into that routine because it, it just starts my day off so much better to get up early, get that good sweat in, you know, it wake up the body, wake up the muscles and, and, you know, it just starts your day off with, all right, let's, let's tackle the day. There's nothing that this day can give me now after, you know, the way I've started it that I can't handle. So Do you see I'm, I'm any right type of drop off, not doing it now. Oh yeah. I, I've, I felt it in my, in my job. I, I do a lot of walking cause I work on a, uh, <clears throat> I've been air, at an airplane hangar and, um, you know, I can feel my, my energy level being a little bit lower. Um, so I, it's like I'm forcing myself to keep a smile on my face because I'm not starting my day like I like I was used to doing. Mm-hmm. So I'm really looking forward to getting back into that. Um, I actually just started back this week. So that's my routine. Man, if there's if there's any way we can help out keeping you on that, like, let us know. I know you're in the heat, but I, no, now that, I mean, we're we're at, we're at the end of summer now. So I think we were just looking at the the weekly. uh weather report and i think the highest we'll, we'll get is around 90 so and trust me that's that's a break from 106 yeah mm. that's cool who uh who's up next yeah I'll, I'll roll next i mean for me it's you know i'd usually get up around 3 30 4 o'clock in the morning uh do about 15 20 minutes of reading and then go to the gym and get it in um usually back by 6 30 or 7 so I can, you know, help the kids get ready for the day and you know, do all the, the dad and husband stuff around here, kind of get my you know, wife, help her out with what she's going to get rolling and help the kids get rolling. And yeah, man, it's, it's a great start to the day. You know, you get up, you know, you feed your mind with uh, some reading and, and you get to you get to get the body going. You know, it's 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 very it's it's for me, it's an it's an intentional and purposeful approach to the day. So. If that's how I start my day, it's easier for me to stay on course and still remain purposeful and intentional and other things I'm doing throughout the day. So that's that has helped me tremendously over the past, like uh, I would say, the past two years for sure. Yeah, I remember you telling me. I don't remember what we were talking about, but I've I've used it, and I I think about it all the time is it's a lifestyle, right? Like if mm-hmm. you if you start anything, I, we may have been talking about seventy five hard. I have no idea, and I pick on that a lot. But to me, that's like a fad. It's a diet. Mm-hmm. And it's cool to get you going, but what are you going to do after those 75 days, right? right. It's got to be a lifestyle change. And, you know, that's two two out of two right there that's saying it's, you know, some type of um, routine and with fitness involved, you know, it's it's life-changing. Absolutely. For me, it's, it, it's again, it's, it's the intentionality behind it. Like, I'm not just getting up and kind of, you know, going by the seat of my pants. Like, I wake up and I know... No, I know I'm reading, so I'm reading the book, and then I know I'm going to the gym to work these deals. And you know, there's just there's purpose behind everything we're doing. Being intentional is man. We could do a whole nother episode on that. That's uh, uh, yeah, I can I can dive deep into that anytime you want to because that's changed my life completely. We got another at least two hours. You want to go? 
Whatever. Yeah, this bro. man's got to get up at three thirty in the morning. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> get up in like four hours. That's true. All right, Bruce. What's uh, what's your routine look like? And I'm guessing it probably somewhat changes during season, right? Um. Yeah, a little bit, but uh, we're gonna have whether it's in season, out of season. There's gonna be meetings or weights at six, and then whenever meetings are done, we'll have staff, and then I'll go and I'll work out after that, and then the day just rolls, and then in the off season, I'll work out after our three weight groups, um, and then just roll with it from there. But it's it's along the lines of the same thing. Um, the best routine I had, um, I used to not, I didn't have a car and I had a, I had to bike to work. I was like a half a mile, but it was all uphill. But if you showed up late, you had to bust ass to get there and had keys to the weight room. So it was up at four, four thirty. you bike 10 minutes to get there you get your workout in the kids show up. Um, and then, you know, meetings or practice or whatever it was, but that was, that was the best one because it was up, it was done. The kids had already came in, you'd already done everything. You had your break and then whatever you had with them afterwards. And then, you know, at five or six o'clock or whenever you came off the field or whatever it is, you were done. Like there was nothing left for the day. And then you could just fill in your blanks with whatever you needed. Um, And it just, I think doing anything in the morning, it just helps because it just knocks out your day. And I agree with you, like the 75 hard is a little bit of a fad, but like it still goes into takes 30 days, 90 days, whatever it is to create a habit. Like Mm -hmm. I think it only becomes a fad if you let it because somewhere in there, if you do, if you do that thing for 75 days and then you stop afterwards, you didn't get anything out of that anyway. You weren't weren't really doing it. Yeah. You you didn't have the intent. You didn't have the intent with it and you probably didn't do the damn thing right any damn way. Right. Like you found a way to cut a corner on a book. You know, I got five pages left in this chapter. So I'll just read this five opposed to going anyway. So, yep. It's a good point. I like that. I like it when people hate on 75 hard. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, Daryl was with me. Uh, it was in Texas. Me and uh, another buddy of mine that actually Terry Royce, he was, I interviewed him. I think that was the first one I did. Uh, me and him were talking about, we still talk about it every once in a while. He likes it. I don't, but yeah, I mean, it's, everyone's got their own stuff. Um, I think uh, it's probably a good, good spot to uh, wrap up here. Definitely appreciate you guys coming on. Appreciate you guys. Uh, love you guys. Appreciate. I mean, I could go on for 10 minutes, but you know, the impact you guys have had on my life is um, I probably can't put in the words, but you know, the first thing that comes to mind is, is confidence. I mean, I, I know, especially, you know, going to college, um, and I've been shy my whole life, but, you know, I was a shy kid and, you know, met you guys and certainly, um, you guys have helped with my confidence and, um, and also call me out when I'm being an idiot and saying something stupid. So definitely appreciate you guys and appreciate you guys coming on. Hey man, I, I gotta say, thanks for having me on here. This has been awesome. And like Daryl said earlier, uh, can't, can't put into words how proud of you I am. And, and, you know, we all are really. Uh, it's great to see you doing this. This is like this is awesome, man. But it's good to see you uh, definitely getting out of your comfort zone because I know this it hasn't been easy for you. But not only are you getting out of your comfort zone, you're thriving while doing that. So couldn't be more proud of you, man. This is awesome. Again, thanks for thanks for having us to be a part of it. I appreciate that.
Appreciate you guys. Proud of you guys. All right. Until next time. We'll see you guys. Sir. Thanks for following, subscribing, and listening to this episode of the Do More podcast hosted by John Farling. To learn more or ask questions, go to l4investing.com.